Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. machine and we're visiting the campus corner again here on sports radio 927 <laughs> wfnz it's wes and walker starting off the one o'clock hour two more hours to go before we hand it off to kyle bailey alongside smoke ludwig they'll have you covered as well for everything that took place with championship weekend plus talking about the carolina panthers baker mayfield being released the Mayfield tenure, it is over for the Panthers organization. And that also means that you will not have the fifth conditional pick go to a fourth round pick when they made that decision to trade for Baker Mayfield. So that is also something that cannot happen anymore with Sam Darnold being named the starter going into this weekend's game against Seattle and PJ hey, Walker being named the backup quarterback going into this weekend's game against the Seahawks. Still feel free to text in 704-570-9610. Big Cat Dan wrote in, DJ Uyunglele bounced a ball to a receiver to start the game. And hell yeah, I cheered. And then Kate Klubnik came in, and he was awesome right from the bat. And me and Fitty were just talking about this, Wes. How after that first drive, North Carolina made it look pretty easy. And when Drake May completed the third down conversion attempt pass in the red zone to Josh Downs, pressure all around him, rolling out to his right, completes that pass to Josh Downs, eventually leads to Drake May punching it in. I thought, okay, North Carolina, they figured it out after the last two games. We know that Clemson's defense is not the defense that it had been in their dominant years. Drake May still a good quarterback despite having the struggles. North Carolina's here. They're ready to go. And eventually the red zone problems would continue in the second, third, and fourth quarter. We saw some interceptions. We saw the bad, bad pick six. That would that, that was the one that ended the game as soon as Drake May threw that INT. You were at the game, Wes. Uh-huh. We even had a conversation with Drake May at the end of this <laughs> game, man. It seems like you had a pretty eventful day at the uh, ACC championship game. Yeah, I did, man. It started out, you know, a little while, you know, because, uh, you know, ACC – we can expense the parking and things of that nature, but the parking just gets absurd. I don't care if I can't expense it. I'm not paying $60, $80 to park and be close. So it started with a nice four-block walk, you know, to, oh. the, to the stadium. So I, did I like that. that's the beginning of the of the take that you have for your ACC championship weekend. <laughs> yeah, it starts with that. Then I get there, and for whatever reason, the league gave our credentials to one guy that's running around doing stuff and busy. So I have to stand because security won't let me go to the media area to meet said person to get my pass. So I'm standing out in front of Panther Stadium in the main entrance fuming for like 30 minutes. Oh, did you let people have it? Yeah, I was mad. I'm texting people. I was tight. Like, I was like, come on, man. I'm like, I'm standing out here. So, because, you know, we got to do social media hits. Want to do something early. You know, a little tone set or stuff like that. So once I finally get in, go put my stuff down, I go down to the field, hang out, do a little opening salvo, you know, that you can catch the coverage on the ACCDN on all platforms. Go down there, do the little opening salvo, hang out, watch guys warm up, yada, yada, go back up and eat. 
Then I come back, you know, watch the game, do my hits at halftime, do all that stuff. Then I, I know you saw the pictures. I'm taking pictures right. of mascots. You know what I'm saying? I talked to Molly McGrath. You know what I'm saying? I talked to Tori Holt. Uh, you know, I'm taking pictures with all the mascots. You know, just having a grand old time <laughs> out there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I see all the mascots hanging out. I love mascots. It's like Wes's day out. Yeah, I, I, you know, I love the mascots. I asked the lady. I said, hey, can I can I take a picture with the mascots? And you know they're down for it. I'm oh, talking I got sure. the Pit Panther running and diving to lay on the ground so he can get in. They all around me. So we're chilling. And then um, end of the game, you know, we're grabbing guys for content on the ACCDN on, on all platforms. And okay. got to talk to Will Shipley, KJ Henry, Brian Brassie, uh Who else? We get Trent, Trent Simpson, Simpson, right? Yeah. yeah, we got Trent Simpson. We got uh, my man Davis Allen. Uh, so so we got to talk to a lot of guys. Uh, we tried to get Club Nick. And then he was just getting jerked in all types of different. Places. Well, he's immediately Hollywood, so yeah, good yeah. Luck with so that. he was. Well, I did, I did grab him, and then he went to go hang out with his friend for a second. And he was a very nice young man. He said, "Hey, he said, can can you give me a second? I'm gonna go over and talk to my family for one second, and then I'll come over." But then before he could do that, some of the news people and stuff grabbed themselves. So anyway, finished that up. On my way back out, you know, when you walk down, when you walk out of Panther Stadium. You go down under the overpass on Moorhead. It's dark. They need to put some street lights under there because somebody's going to get beat the hell out of and robbed coming out of there. All right, so we need to fix a couple of these things about the experience, right? So we yeah. have parking too far, yeah. and we also have street lights. All yeah, right, we need ahead. some street lights. So I'm walking. I look up, and I see you know a kid in the Carolina sweatsuit in the backpacks. So I said, that's got to be a player because I saw other players leaving with their family. I said, that's got to be a player. Look, and I see the name tag dangling on the backpack, and I see it says Drake May. And he's walking with his mom. I immediately walk up. I said, Drake, I said, you walking home, man. So I just joked with him or whatever. So he was cool. We started chatting. I did tell him I had Riley Leonard ahead of him in my power pole. Well, see, this is what I wanted to get to. <laughs> like, what possessed you to want to talk because, to him about having Riley because, Leonard above Drake May I, because, in the power rankings? Because I'm not a fake person. I didn't want to be all in his face, Cheesy McGeezy. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is Cheesy McGeezy? Cheesy McGeezy. Cheesy and smiling like, oh, you my man. Da, 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 da. Like, no, I'm going to keep it right. I said, look, man, you know, I do a power pole. I said people was on me, you know, because I had you under. You're like confessing when no one was asking yeah, for your Yeah, but you know, I don't, I don't move like that. I, I, when I see you, I'm going to tell you what I think right. of you. I don't I don't pull punches. So when I saw my tutor, to which he responded, he said, well, you know, everybody got haters. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's so, a great answer. So I told him, I said, well, I said, it's not that. I said, you had a rough last couple of weeks. I said, so I was fair to everybody. You're just going I did. to his face. I did. I did, and I said, I said you had a rough last couple of weeks. Is his mom listening to all this yeah, too? What she is she say saying? Nothing? So I said, I said you had a rough last couple of weeks. I said, but I said I was fair to everybody. I said when any guy had a rough couple of weeks, I said I move him down. But as we, what did he say? He didn't say nothing. He was just like, I, right, you know, okay. Probably, please get this guy away from me. <laughs> I don't know why he decided to seek me so out before, after an ACC championship loss. Yeah, to so, tell me I was second in the ACC. Right, right. <laughs> Well, so, but before we parted ways, I told him, I said, I think that you are a number one overall draft pick. And I said, I, I said, just take, I said, all of this that's happening to you is just lessons to be learned. I said, but I do think you're a number one overall pick. And I told him with the that's rankings, I said, right I, said I think you're the most talented guy 
I said, you just had a rough couple of weeks. I said, but it's learning experiences for you. And his mother agreed with me. She said, yes. She said, I agree. That's Father Bryant. That is totally, I mean, I don't know if 25-year-old Wes is saying that, but that is totally <laughs> close to 40-year-old Wes with a kid telling Drake May that better days on the, yeah, on the man, horizon. Yeah, Yes, I had to let him know that. So I thought that was very, that was pretty ironic to run into him because we talked about Vance at my spot too because I told him I went to Vance. Oh, there you go. And Will Shipley was pretty excited when I told him. He was very nice. Will Shipley was? Yeah, he was very nice. And when he walked up, I told him how I hated that I wanted to see, because I told him I went to Vance. And then I said, yeah, man, I said, I wanted to come see you when you guys were supposed to play Vance. But in the pandemic, he set out that year. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. He's like, I wanted to play in that game, because he said, I wanted to play against Power, man. He's like, I wanted to play that game so bad. So, yeah, man, he was super. All the Clemson kids are good, though. Um, Fiddy, I do have a question for you. Do you think that Cheesy McGreasy would be a good McGeezy. name for a burger at one of these fast cheesy food McGeezy. restaurants? And if so, we would all have to immediately try the Cheesy oh, McGreasy yeah. if we changed it to that. That sounds like diabetes on a bun, which means absolutely which means down. hell yes. You're going to have large fry with a with a king size Snickers and a 46 ounce Coke. <laughs> kind of like my Bossy Beulah's lunch that one right, day. Right, yeah. right. Maybe double the fries. $47 yeah. later, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's, that's yeah, man, right. so, so that was my day at the uh, championship game um somebody uh yeah somebody said wes i can't believe you uh somebody wrote in and said man right after the game of, of him losing the acc championship wes would go <laughs> I up keep there it and real. See, see the, I the opportunity be fake to the man and man you know I, I talk to the man and i'm all in his face telling him this that and the third and he goes online and checks us out on the accdn on all platforms <laughs> he's, he's like, like, wait, that's that dude that was talking that's sideways. That's what I'm saying, yeah. I said, nah, man, I, you know, I'll let him know. Now, when you look at Drake May, it really was quite the fall, right? I, I think Drake May still is an amazing quarterback. But the last three games were not good. I, I wonder, do you think Georgia Tech is still the worst game that he played, or do you think this Clemson one takes the bout for him? Because I think North Carolina overall was worse I against say, Clemson. I say Georgia Tech because he had zero touchdowns in that game. Yeah. He, and, 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 of course, we all know about the Josh Downs drop, but Drake May was not good in the totality of that Georgia Tech contest. Yeah. But I know you wrote in here, Wes, you know, you can't really remember a player having a start like Drake May for it to change so quickly at the end of the season. I think it's the prolonged success. We had gotten to a deep point into the season because... You know, we've had Heisman hopefuls before completely fall off. Yeah. You know, we've had that plenty of times where at the midpoint of the season, somebody's supposed to win the Heisman, and then at the very end, they're not even going to New York City anymore. That happens pretty frequently. But Drake May had gone to the last month of the year. I mean, here we are just, I mean, it wasn't even a month ago, just talking three weeks ago, going into that game against Georgia Tech, I had the whole Heisman campaign for him, right? Yeah. I mean, if he had just done what he had done consistently – 350 yards passing, 50 yards rushing, 400 total. He would be, you know, in the top 10 all time mm-hmm. yards amassed by any starting quarterback in college football history. That's the type of pace he was on. Didn't reach that. Wasn't running for nearly as much. And NC State, Georgia Tech, Clemson, all of them were able to get past that offensive line. Can you remember a QB that has had this kind of, I don't want to say fall because it mm-hmm. wasn't all on him. Yeah. But man, certainly not well, nearly as high as what we were talking about him before. The thing was, is that it was so gaudy 
And it looked so crazy because his decision-making was so good. And that was the thing that kind of got you throughout his struggles was that the decision-making had seemed to kind of fallen off, like the pick six he threw against Clemson. Because the thing was, it was like everything you did to him, he had a counter for it. And so you felt like there was no way to stop it. You remember the stat, I think, going into the Georgia Tech game or a little bit before that when I said drives that he had finished, they had scored touchdowns on 80% of the drives, over 80% to that point. And so, like I said, it was just the quick decision-making, and it seemed like he had a counter for anything you would try to do. It's like if you tried to press him, he would hit you. If you gave him time, he would hit you. So I think that's the thing that made it look so wild going down the stretch was it seemed like there was no defense. And I know everybody can be had, you know, a game or two here or there, but it seemed like there was just no real answer to stopping him or shutting him down. Like I did not see – him having a zero touchdown game down the stretch, especially against Georgia Tech. I mean, if somebody would have came to you, Walker, and said, this guy is not going to score right before the kickoff of the Georgia Tech game, you would have laughed him out of the room. They said he's not going to have a touchdown in this game. You'd be like, he's going to have like five. Not not today because I can't laugh, but then, yes, I would have laughed <laughs> right. him right out of the yeah, room. So I think that's why it looked so wild coming down the stretch because his decision-making and things, it just seemed like there was no way to really keep him in check. Somebody write in, uh, a couple people wrote in to the text line, 704-570-9610. Uh, Heisman hopeful Tyler Van Dyke, but but he didn't put together a Heisman yeah, campaign he was this banged year, up all right? year, and then he was, yeah. But from preseason expectations, you certainly had he quite a few quarterbacks. He was a big disappointment. Yeah, he was for one sure. of the biggest Brent, disappointments. Brennan sure. Armstrong, too, enters the transfer portal. It could yeah. be interesting to see where he ends up. But somebody else wrote in, Kenny Trill, right? Kenny Hill, and that's uh, that, that's a, a great good one. one, right? First two games, I think he was a Heisman hopeful. But yeah, but nobody went as long as Drake, where they went like eight, nine games, where they looked unstoppable. Yeah, I, I can't think of anybody. But Kenny Hill was what, like you said, two games. It was two games. That was it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was. Done. Oh boy! Oh, I love it. It makes me so excited. What's going on, Fitty? Well, Wes, this might get you mad because you know of, of, of players entering the portal with all these long posts. Not only has Phil Dracovic already entered the portal. He has already found a new home. Okay. He has already informed the Pitt coaching staff he intends to transfer, and he will join oh, Pitt, the Pitt Panthers because Keaton Slovis informed Pitt yesterday, early this morning, he is transferring out of the program. It will be the third time that Slovis has transferred. What, what do you make of players not only entering the portal, but in less than 24 hours committing to another school? We saw Cade McNamara do it when he – when he entered the portal from Michigan and is already committed to to Iowa. Yeah, I think it's stuff going on behind the scenes. And Jacobic going to Pitt doesn't surprise me at all. He's a Pennsylvania kid. Um, he had a lot of hype coming out of school. And we also have it mentioned, I forgot to put that in our show right now, too, that the rumors are flying about Sam Hartman to Florida. So I did see that. That's yeah. been a that's been a big deal as well. But yeah, him going there doesn't doesn't surprise me in the least. Keaton Slovis to me was a big disappointment. He was a big reason why uh, you had read too one of the factors in Jordan Addison leaving as well. They said he just wasn't feeling uh, Keaton Slovis. So I'm not uh, you know surprised with that. But it just goes like I said, Slovis going to another school. Who in the hell Crazy. do you cheer for? When you get out of college and you've been to three or four schools, who are you cheering for? Is it just the last school you mm-hmm. went to? I guess so. I don't know who you say. I mean, because Russell Wilson does the whole pack of Badgers thing. I mean, Keaton's going to have a hell of a way to try to combine all of those nicknames. Right. Trojan from, Panther, baby. Yeah, from all of the different schools that he's transferred to. 704-570-9610. You can write in. Someone wrote, I thought Walker wasn't going to talk so much. Well, I've been able to stave off the sickness for quite a while. We'll see what happens the last half of the show. We'll go back to the Carolina 
Panthers conversation. Baker Mayfield no longer a part of this team. Still, Carolina has to find the future at QB. How in the world do they get out of this mess? We'll talk about that next. Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. What Madden video game was this from? I remember playing it. This this was 07, right? With Sean Alexander on the cover? Yes, yes. I won the Madden 07 video game at a middle school raffle, and I was excited. I bet. Sean Alexander coming home. (laughs) Absolutely. That was so much fun to play. It's the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I'm going to try to keep everybody updated on the transfer portal. Charlotte 49ers dealing with some transfers of their own just real quickly. So here are the guys, according to Hunter Bailey on Twitter, at Hunter underscore Bailey 45, a friend of the show, Elijah Spencer and Grant DeBose. Awesome, awesome receivers. I mean, a guy in Elijah Spencer who probably will get some undrafted look, maybe if he does get drafted in the NFL, would be a little bit later. But still, to have that type of talent has been very good ever since coming over to the 49er program. No longer going to be playing for the 49ers under Biff Pogey. Also, Grant DeBose certainly going to get drafted. It's just a matter of how high he'll get drafted and where he'll go. Not going to be playing for Charlotte. Also, tight end Taylor Thompson and running back Johnny Martin III. Those are your four transfers out of the Charlotte 49er program. Fitty, you seem to have a reaction. It's going to be tough to replace those two talented wideouts. Yeah, oh, I was ready because they they could find a nice little home two and a half hours away in Chapel Hill, North Carolina with Drake May. I do feel like, you know, Biff Pogey is going to be able to replace those type of guys. Like, look how important he has been for Jim Harbaugh and getting that Michigan program back where it's supposed to be as a premier program in all of college football. These initial waves hurt. That's expected with the coaching change. But I do think Biff Pogey will be able to get some talent into that program and get Charlotte competitive. The transfer portal is unstoppable. I mean, so you're going to have to deal with some of this stuff. But you're right. It's all about how comfortable you are, how trustworthy, how much trust you have in that coach in order to be able to land some of these guys. Also, somebody texting in Anthony Richard uh, Richardson from Florida. He enters the NFL draft. So that would certainly kind of grease the wheels, maybe McGreasy the wheels from Sam Hartman <laughs> going from Wake Forest to Florida as we kind of talked about that rumor. And Fiddy, you have another update for us. I just wanted to ask you guys, because we are a show that plans itself as we go, do you want the breaking news sounder for every player that enters the portal of significance? Bring it. Yes. Okay. Every time. 100%. All right. Yep. Does that mean that we're about to hear it in three, two, one? Ah, no. Three, it doesn't. two, one. <laughs> I went with it and it didn't land. What happened? All right. Tar Heel defensive back Cameron Kelly. He has entered the portal. Oh, that's tough because I love the name. Um. <laughs> In addition, Tymeer Brown, a, a Tar Heel that I don't even know who he is or what position he plays, he is in the portal. Did he Did he give you a message on the notepad right. that he screenshotted? Not that I know of. I'll get the research team Great. on that. Fantastic. And Kendall Carr is in the portal for Carolina. They've now had, in less than 24 hours, nine players hit the portal. And Mac Brown said this on Friday. He's like, we're playing for a conference championship tomorrow night. He said by Monday we'll have 15 or more players that will, will no longer be in the or they'll be in the portal. Some starters, and that being Cameron Kelly, Chris Collins, who went to the portal earlier this morning. I just don't get when you're a starter, why you're transferring. Like 
It's either got to be you getting an NIL offer from somewhere or something. I just don't understand the point is to play and to start. And I just don't get it. Well, I mean, it's it's some of these players, it's got to be about winning, right? I mean, that, that's what's crazy, too, about some of the players if you start for a North Carolina team and you have nine victories, especially with the playoff field expanding to 12 teams that might be an argument for to say, okay, I start for this team. We did have nine victories. I do believe in this program having the potential to get back, but then you still leave. This portal has gone peak crazy right now. If Drake may, or if somebody of that stature, because Devin Leary's a big time transfer. If Sam Hartman goes somewhere, that would make more sense just because of his age being at Wake Forest. And he told you that he's not going to be playing at Wake Forest again. Mm. I mean, when, the last time he had media availability, which he doesn't give you much. Mm. But the last time he did, he told you it'd be done, he'd be done at Wake. Yeah. If somebody of the Drake May stature, New York City candidate, if he goes, then I think that's about peak crazy you could possibly get with this whole portal thing. Yeah, no doubt about it. And... I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, we have to see where these kids end up going if it's indeed about winning. Like, you know, Jerkovic, I know they have a, a good young quarterback, Emmett Moorhead, that I put in for a week into the power rankings, but he looks like he's going to be a good player for them. So I guess that that's why he's leaving. But like I said, a kid like Cameron Kelly from North Carolina, you know, Carolina's secondary wasn't that great. I'm pretty sure he wasn't a world beater. So what, what are you leaving for? Yeah. I mean, you get to come back and play with Drake May. You're going to compete for probably Carolina. If Drake May comes back, even though they're getting rid of divisions, I, it's not inconceivable to me that Carolina couldn't be number two in the ACC next year. Is it okay to say that Cameron Kelly decided to dip set Anthem? <laughs> he did, Woo! man. When I, when I see some that's, of these kids with these names, perfect. I'll ask them straight up. I'll be like, your parents named you after this person or that person. Because some of them is undeniable. Cameron, Raekwon, Nazir, come on now. That is a hip-hop fan, if I've ever yeah, heard one. Yeah, I did. There was a kid. There was actually a kid that came to our media day. I forget which team he played for. Oh, um, Raekwon that played basketball for Florida State. And I asked him, I said, your parents named you after the rapper, didn't they? And he's like, yeah. And he didn't even know who Raekwon was. Yeah, that's how but it happens like, sometimes. he was like, my parents named me after him. Yeah, feel free to text in 704-570-9610. That is the Garage Door Guru text line. Let's get to the news that actually also broke today. Baker Mayfield no longer... A member of this Carolina Panthers organization, Baker, requested a release, and Carolina decided to grant him that release. So we'll see exactly where Baker Mayfield could land. I know San Francisco, that's an opportunity for him. Maybe another team decides to pick trying up. To wish that on us I'm not wishing it on you. To, he keeps trying to speak it into existence. I've seen it from Ian Rappaport. I've seen <laughs> it from Jonathan Jones just putting some stuff out there. Hey, there is a team that could use a quarterback out in the Bay Area. Carolina could use a quarterback for the future. Roger Sherman put out a tweet when they decided to go from Baker to Sam Darnold. Mm hmm. He tweeted out a chronological list of Panthers starting quarterbacks since 2019. It goes like this. Cam Newton, Kyle Allen, Will Greer, Teddy Bridgewater, P.J. Walker, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, P.J. Walker, Cam Newton, <laughs> Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, P.J. Walker, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold. Revolving door, musical chairs at the quarterback spot for Carolina. The only way out of this, Wes is to draft somebody in the first round. Yes. And I know that a Will Levis is an example of you just deciding to go on to a different position. But you do have to draft a quarterback within your first two picks of this upcoming NFL draft. 
because the QB spot has been in dire straits for a long time now. Yeah, no doubt about it. You cannot advance in this league. You cannot become a contender in this league unless you have one of those guys at quarterback because you're going to run into one of those guys on your journey to a Vince Lombardi trophy. So I think for the Panthers, they're going to just, like I said, either depending on how much they win or whether they're sitting in a draft, either get assets together to try and make a move or just to pull – uh, you know, pull the trigger on whoever's sitting there when they pick. So uh, now is the time for the Panthers. This is a quarterback-rich draft as far as just the depth. And so, yeah, they, this is the time. This is the way they get out of that revolving door because that's not what you want as a franchise to have instability at quarterback. The Panthers averaged less than four yards per play and quarterback Baker Mayfield averaged less than five yards per pass attempt from a clean pocket in his return to the starting lineup when he played that game against Baltimore. We discussed leading up to that game, Wes, how big that was for him to salvage any reputation that he had going into that contest in the first place, but was not a very good football player. And yeah, there were a lot of other mistakes against the Baltimore Ravens, but clearly the one common thread that you've seen from this offense when they are about as bad as they possibly could be. It's been Baker Mayfield more often than not. You had a bad first half against Cincy with P.J. Walker at starting QB. No doubt. You had a bad offensive performance against the Rams. Steve Wilkes, Ben McAdoo, didn't let P.J. Walker throw it until they got to Tampa, and P.J. gave you the best game we've seen from a quarterback in the last couple of years. That's without question. They're going with Sam Darnold as the starting quarterback going forward. I understand why Baker requested this release. I also... I'm still a little surprised that it actually came to this is at the beginning of the season, given what we expected from Baker, would you say that the eventual release of Baker Mayfield before we play the last five games is the biggest surprise of this season? I think no question that has been it. I thought that he would be the starter for the season. I didn't think he was going to play great, but I did anticipate him being the starter for the majority of this season, uh, barring injuries, anything like that. I didn't think Sam Darnold would beat him out because I felt like Sam just turned it over too much. P.J. Walker, of course, was an afterthought coming into the season. So you thought that Baker was going to be their guy for at least this season, try to see what you can win with him, and then move on and turn the pace the next season. But for him to only last here just seven games, I think it's for sure the most shocking part of this season. Here's the biggest indictment on Baker Mayfield, too. It's the fact that there's really no excuse as to why it didn't work out here. Right. Because you had the injury last year with Cleveland. That was your excuse. And yet you still didn't play as bad as you did with this team here in Carolina. Offensive line, no longer an excuse for bad quarterback play. The offensive line here right now is as good as it's been in quite some time. They've had a lot of really impressive players. Ike Kwanu doing an excellent job in pass protection. Some of the other guys that you have across this line, they've been able to create gaps for the running back, and that allows you to have a better passing game because they know that they have to stack the box. It actually helps you a little bit more out on the perimeter. DJ Moore, a good wide receiver. We can argue all day whether he's top five, top ten, whatever, but at least he's good, and he's performed with other quarterbacks right. throwing him the football. He didn't when Baker Mayfield was throwing him the football. I do think that is the biggest indictment about a guy that you and I both had some type of belief in coming into this season where he could potentially lead them to some playoff contention. But there's just no excuse. I don't care if Ben McAdoo's not even the greatest offensive coordinator in the world. I can't find a legitimate excuse for you to be literally the worst quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, and 
at some point, someone's going to speak up and tell us what went wrong. Because remember when he came in, and maybe that was just Matt Rule just doing what he does best, which is lie out of his ass. Everything he said about <laughs> Baker was positive. How he picked up the offense. Even when we were at camp, it was the ball looks good going down the field. We thought this offense could had the potential to be big play oriented. It was going to be timely, but it was going to be when they had to take their shots. Baker was the guy that could get the football down the field. And for whatever reason, that just didn't happen. And the season started where it felt like every other pass was getting batted down at the line of scrimmage. They never got into a rhythm, but there's nothing more damning than seeing backup quarterbacks like P.J. Walker and Sam Darnold, guys that are less talented than Baker Mayfield, go on the field and breathe life into the offense like he never did his two and a half, three months he was here in Carolina. Nothing more. To have but the guy that you wanted to move on from so desperately and Sam Darnold, for him to come back and play well after being hurt for so long, not having that familiarity. That's the thing. You could say, oh, well, Baker Mayfield just needed to get used to his offensive coordinator in Ben McAdoo. That was the excuse early on because they traded for Baker Mayfield so late into the offseason. They didn't decide to do it during the NFL draft because they thought they could get Baker Mayfield for less sending him out to Cleveland. And they eventually did. But Sam Darnold didn't have a ton of time to work with Ben McAdoo because he got hurt. And Baker Mayfield, the best game he ever gave us outside of the Cincinnati second half, it was the first game against Cleveland. And if you think about the big plays that happened there, Ian Thomas, wide open. Robbie Anderson, wide open. And that's who Baker hit on. If he wasn't wide open running down the field, Baker didn't hit you. And in fact, if you were open within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, Baker still could not hit you. And here's the whole thing about the offensive coordinator stuff when people want to use that as an excuse. I often hate that because people will go so far. Oh, well, if you give him a really bright mind, we'll go back to your boy, Kyle Shanahan, whoever you put in high regard, Uh then he'd play a lot better. Okay. Are you telling me he's reliant on one of the best play callers in the NFL? Right. What does that say about who he is within himself as a quarterback? Ben McAdoo, not great. A hundred percent. I don't care about losing him next year and I expect him to be gone. The best thing Ben McAdoo could have done to help Baker a little more so is just lean all the way into play action. He still called it at an above average rate with Baker Mayfield playing quarterback. No, he did not go like 50% of the time, but he still did it at an above average rate. So it's not like Ben McAdoo was holding Baker Mayfield so far back. You can't blame anybody else but Baker for the problems that he suffered here in Carolina as the starting QB. No, you cannot. And so... It just pointed to the fact that we see why teams didn't want him when he was available on the trade market. It's going to be interesting to see who comes after him uh, now that he is a free agent, as you said, with no strings attached. But it just completes the narrative about him that he's just been, let's call it what it is, he's been a major bust at this point. And so the results that we've gotten, like I said, I was surprised that he's been released but I didn't expect him to come here and be a big difference maker for this team. I expected him to come here and be average. That's all they wanted. That's all Carolina wanted. Yeah, I expect him to be average most of the time, maybe above average sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I didn't expect for him to come here and show that he was worthy of being the number one pick. Like, I didn't expect that guy to show up. Yeah, I, I was, again, my number one worry was Baker Mayfield being good enough and Carolina deciding, you know what, we can allocate a ton of money 
towards other positions and will be just good enough at QB. Well, you weren't. You weren't anywhere close to that. And that's why they're going back to Sam Darnold as the starter, P.J. Walker as the backup, and granting the wish of Baker Mayfield to be released. That'll do it for Carolina. Talking a little bit about Baker Mayfield, we'll get to some Charlotte Hornets conversation on the other side, but it's time now for the second Fitty Flash of the day. Well, guys, we're going to go back to the college rank, but we're actually going to switch it over to college basketball where the new AP poll is out. And after back-to-back losses, (laughs) once again this week, a four-game losing streak for UNC, the Tar Heels are no longer ranked inside the AP Top 25. They're only the sixth team (laughs) since 1961-1962 to go from number one to unranked. The last team to do so most recently was Michigan State back in the the 2019-2020 season. Not that it's time to start talking about this because it is only December, in the expanded 64, now 68-team tournament field, no preseason number one team has missed the tournament. Yeah. The last preseason number one to miss the tournament was NC State during the 1970s when only 32 teams made the field. But make no mistake about it, it's it's now time to hit the panic meter in Chapel Hill. I, I don't mind at all. And I know there are people out there that are still talking about how it's early December. Okay, that's fine. Four losses, you do not have a victory over a Power 5 program at this point coming in as preseason number one team. You have four losses already. When you're talking about a team of that stature, you're talking about at most seven that you should be experiencing to be a potential number one overall seed. Let's say that, okay, you have some falters here and there, so you end up as a number two seed in the tournament. How many losses is that? Like eight? Nine? I mean, you're already halfway there before you even get to big-time conference play. I understand that it's early December. You can't help me. You can't. I, I can't help but be full-on panic about this team. That's just what I'm experiencing right I now. I agree with you 100%. I think for Carolina, it just seems like something is amiss there. These kids aren't responding to Cuba. They just don't seem to have. As I said, I expected them to come out to start the season really being on that on-a-mission type of vibe. Where they're like, listen, something was taken from us last year that we should have had. We're mm-hmm. going to take it out on the NCAA until we are hoisting that trophy again. And I think it is a huge indictment on them that that has not been the case with them. There can't be a sense of boredom them as far as them waiting to get back to the final four because you didn't win the championship it has to be just vengeance on your mind all the way through it hasn't been there so you know something is afoot with this team as i've said i think some of these guys i think they got the celebrity vibes of just being in the offseason being carolina being preseason number one and i think that they haven't been just playing up to their billing let's continue that conversation talk more round ball specifically the charlotte hornets too it's coming up next wes and walker sports radio 92.7 wfnz Weston Walker show just sitting around here trying to figure out if we should panic about North Carolina basketball. Myron Goodman texted in the garage door guru text line 704-570-9610. He said, it's not time to hit the panic button. Relax. Not that big of a deal. Look, man, I get it, right? Like it's early in December, December 5th. Totally understand. 
I'm usually not one that overreacts to North Carolina basketball losses at the beginning of the season. It felt different to me, not even so much against Alabama, but it did feel different to me watching that game against Indiana where they were never really in that game, in my opinion. I mean, I just always thought Indiana was going to have that victory as they started to separate themselves. You know, when this one against Virginia Tech, I do applaud North Carolina for fighting their way back in the second half to make that a lot closer. A lot of people kind of wrote them off for dead when they got off to like, what was it, a 19-point lead, I think was the maximum that the Hokies had over the heels. It just looks different for a team that has these types of expectations. Going back to 05, going back to 09, when you talk about some of these championship caliber teams, yes, they would always find themselves losing to one of these mid-major schools or having a big upset, but they would also destroy a lot of those other teams that they were playing. I mean, Fiddy, they don't have one of those destroy type of performances against any of these mid-major schools and any Power 5 squad they faced, they lost. Yeah, right now, their best moments of basketball, the second half against the College of Charleston was the team I thought we thought we were going to get. The 40 minutes against James Madison was the best that they've probably looked for an entire game. Yesterday was the first time I thought maybe they didn't care. They didn't seem invested. And look, Justin Mutz is a really good player. And Mike Young's a really damn good basketball coach. There should never be a scenario where Justin Mutz is the best player on the court involving a team that is the University of North Carolina, and he was yesterday. And so, look, I I freaked last year, and I I fired Hubert. (laughs) I'm not doing it again this year, but it is okay to to, to question in the back of your mind if this thing's going to get turned around because right now they just have the makings of a team that doesn't even belong to be in the NCAA tournament, let alone being preseason ranked number one or the pick to win the ACC. So you have another ACC game against Georgia Tech in five days. Then you battle against the Citadel, 25-ranked Ohio State December 17th, Michigan December 21st, and then you get back to ACC play against Pittsburgh over a week after that. So you have, after this Georgia Tech game five days from now, you got about a three-week hiatus from ACC basketball before it really starts up. And then right at the beginning of the new year, it's Wake January 4th, Notre Dame January 7th, third-ranked Virginia in Charlottesville on January 10th. Right now, Virginia would destroy North Carolina, and we already know the Cavaliers' success against the Tar Heels basketball team. Look, I am not trying to... I'm not trying to paint a picture for everybody to just say, oh, well, the season's over. I, I'm, I'm not trying to be this huge alarmist right now. At the same time, this is how I feel, Wes. How do you feel watching this Heels basketball team? Yeah, I mean, as I said, you know, just the mentality of the team, I haven't seen that. And the funny part about it, when you talk about last season to now, we've seen more bad from this team than good. When you look at how they went through the regular season last year, and yeah, they got it together at the end, but they and they made the run at the end, which was important. But at this point, when you combine what you've seen this year and last year, we've seen more bad than good from this team. And I think that that's interesting because it's like, okay, was the tournament run? Because at this point, you're questioning if the tournament run was a fluke. Like, you're sitting there like, okay, we'll see how the season plays out. It's very early. But, you know, and then we talked last week about Leaky Black and him saying it's, it's basically like four on five on offense. He has two points in 25 minutes of basketball. Okay, and then some of these freshmen just haven't been what you expect from a freshman in North Carolina. Don Styles has yet to make an imprint on this program. 
And some of those guys, you know, some of the recruiting classes that they've had, we're not seeing that young freshman or that young sophomore making that leap and becoming a key contributor because, as you said, they needed that. Pete Nance has been stepping up, showing and proving. He has a double-double, but especially with no Armando Baycott, uh, you know, I just thought that this team would be a lot more potent. And I think Carolina lacks the depth because it doesn't seem like they have much of a bench. Um, and, you know, when you have a start out there in Leaky Black that's giving you five to seven points a game, I think that hurts you. And then Puff Johnson, you know, he only plays 12 minutes. It looks like, you know, he got hurt, but he had zero points. Yeah, I, I think maybe the best argument, if you are going to defend North Carolina right now, is that I do think they have faced three good teams in a row. I think Alabama's good. I do think Indiana's good. They did lose to Rutgers this weekend, which is, you know, a little concerning. Still think the Hoosiers are going to be a good basketball team. And I think Virginia Tech is a good basketball team. Also, Armando Baycott is not 100% healthy. Didn't even play in this game against the Virginia Tech Hokies. That's the defense, and it's it's okay. It's an okay defense yeah. if you're going to try to talk about North Carolina, but still, uh, I'm, I'm just telling you, you know, how I feel. Four offensive rebounds. Yeah, they really man. They Baycott on the board. They, they absolutely do. It's certainly a big loss against the Hokies. Let's go to the Charlotte Hornets uh, and what they accomplished this weekend. They did beat Washington on Friday. That ended up being a closer game than what you might have expected given the Hornets' big lead. The fourth quarter happened. Bradley Beal was able to bring them back. He was awesome in that matchup. But the Hornets starting five, they gave you a lot of really good numbers. They finally stepped up. They finally hit the three ball, but they would lose to the Milwaukee Bucks. And Milwaukee was dealing with some injuries. Didn't have their big three. No Giannis, no Drew Holiday, no Chris Middleton. They did have the best defensive player on the floor in Brooke Lopez, who had six blocks. He was an animal. Bobby Portis doing a really nice job. Here's Steve Clifford discussing the chance that they can be a play-in team while being under 500. I could be wrong in this. I think we're like three and a half out of tenth. You know, you can't fool players in this league. They know, you know, if you talk to them, they know we need those guys back. You know, they know that right now we have very little room for error. They also know that when we played well, we've won or given ourselves a chance to win. The East, again, from what I've seen, Boston's terrific. These guys are terrific. There's some other teams that are really good. This isn't like last year where there's... You know, four or five teams in the East that just aren't very good at all, right? So last year, there were a lot of teams in the East you were going to beat up on. That's not the case this year. So I would say there's a good chance you get into 10th or 9th under 500. I don't know if I can see the Charlotte Hornets reaching that type of mark. Right now, the standings, it's Toronto Raptors as the last or the first play-in team in. 12 and 11. Brooklyn is 13 and 12 as the 8 seed. Miami is 11 and 12. New York is the 10 seed at 11 and 13. Washington right there, 11 and 13. Charlotte is 7 and 16 on the year right now. And they have a brutal West Coast road trip coming up. If you look at the next five games, there's some winnable matchups there. That includes the Detroit Pistons, one of the couple of teams that are behind you in the Eastern Conference standing at this moment. But once you get to that West Coast road trip, you're going to be the underdog, and you're going to be a big-time dog in every single one of those matchups. I believe it's a seven-game West Coast road trip where the Western Conference is also really good. Yeah, They need guys back in the worst of ways. And even if they start kind of coming back to the lineup, West during that West Coast road trip, even at full health, I don't know how the Charlotte Hornets are going to be favored in any of those games. They looked good against Washington, against Milwaukee, not so much. Either way, this is the task at hand. Win as much as you possibly can when you're not going 
against some of the premier teams in the league. Yeah, and I thought, as I've said, ad nauseum coming into the season, I thought the Hornets were going to struggle even at full strength with no Miles Bridges. We know that he has not been there. Uh, but like I said, I thought they would beat Washington just off law of averages. I thought, you know, they're not necessarily similar, but similar enough to where I felt the Hornets would rise up and beat them. But we see, you know, them playing against elite competition. There was a slight chance because every team in the NBA has a puncher's chance on a given night. Mm-hmm. But we didn't think expect much of them against a great defensive team like Milwaukee because the Hornets are going to always have trouble with those type of teams that make the ball get stagnated. And the Hornets just don't have enough passing. They're not passing the ball enough. And they're not shooting the ball well enough for them to really be a threat against a team like Milwaukee. Like you said, as the as the schedule gets tougher and tougher, and you know, even when you look ahead, like they have the Clippers tonight. Well, we know the Clippers have been a little bit of an underachiever this season, but it's still the Clippers. They're still going to be tough. And then Brooklyn and New York and Philly. So all these teams, none of these teams are pushovers where you look and say Charlotte is going to beat them definitively. So. Uh, you know, I think coaches just continue to be optimistic. They've had a nice, they've had a nice run lately, winning three out of their last five games. So there's some optimism to go around. And I think that's kind of what he's feeling right now. Hey, Bryce McGowan's gave you some good minutes. I know Kai Jones has been getting more run. I think there are flashes of Terry Rozier returning to old scary Terry. You just need that in more consistent waves. And yeah. PJ Washington, O of thirteen right. against Milwaukee. He's so up and down, brutal, but was awesome against Washington. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll get into more of that later on in the show. But coming up next to start the two o'clock hour. We'll talk about which quarterback had the bigger meltdown on championship weekend. There are a few to choose from. It's coming up next. Wes and Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ.